Well, good morning, everyone. How are you? Are you awake? Um, I feel by this time in the summer, I feel discombobulated. That's the word I keep saying is I'm a little getting ready for a little more routine. Um, Maybe I'm the only one. Anybody else ready for a little more routine? Emma definitely is ready for routine. Um, But we've been, the the Kerr people have been traveling a lot this summer. We've been gone. We've had some work trips and missions trips and some family stuff. And so it just feels good to be back. But I am most excited to just be here with you today. We love our church family. We miss you so much when we're not here. And we're just so grateful to get to see you all today. So we're going to continue. This summer we have been going through the book of Psalms. We've been kind of hitting um, a bunch of different psalms. It's a great passage of scripture, the largest book in the Bible, 150 chapters, Um, and it covers everything from just songs of praise to songs of lament to all kinds of different things. And so we've been hitting on different topics, and today I want to look at Psalm 73. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn there, that is where we are going to be camping out today in Psalm 73. And this is an interesting psalm. Um, If you look at the heading there, it'll say a psalm of uh, Aspha, A-S-A-P-H. A lot of the Psalms were written by David, but this one wasn't. This was written by somebody else. And so today we're going to look at this Psalm. I think there's some really interesting insight that we can find, and I'm calling the message today, Dealing with Doubt. Dealing with Doubt. What do you do when you have questions about faith, when you have questions about God, when you have questions about your life? When you, have, when you look around you and you see things happening that you don't understand, what do we do with that? What do we do with doubt? Is it something that um, shouldn't happen to us? Or is it something that happens in the life of every believer that there is a path through dealing with doubt? And Psalm 73 is a little bit of a story of somebody working through their doubt. And so I want to read it together. We're going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to unpack it. So Psalm 73, starting in verse 1. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper, despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace, and they clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff, and they speak only evil, and in their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut through the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused. They're drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. So did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long, and every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. But then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. 
Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant, I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet, I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail, and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good is it to be near God? I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. Let's pray. Jesus, illuminate the scripture to us. I thank you so much, Lord, that you give us a roadmap what to do when we're dealing with doubt. So we just ask right now that you anoint your word. Show us what you want us to see, Lord. Open up our hearts. Let us see the places where our questions have caused us to step back from you and have caused a wall to build up between you and us. Lord, we want to have an open, honest relationship with you. And so we are asking you to come to those places today in Jesus' name. Amen. So doubt happens to all of us. That's the reality, right? I'm going to move up so I don't trip. Doubt happens to all of us. We all go through seasons of hardship. Even those with the strongest faith will have times when we don't understand what God's doing. All of us will go through that. We, we go through seasons where things are difficult. Looking at Psalm 73, the more I studied this week, the more I think that this guy who was a Levitical priest. So it would be someone who was consecrated to the Lord, lived in the house of the Lord, probably the song leader, worship leader. I think he was having health problems. If you look through and you go so many times, it talks about, I wake up with pain every morning and my body fails. And why do I see these wicked people who are so awful? It seems like they're just doing whatever they want. They don't have pain and hardship. So it makes me wonder, was he dealing with maybe like a chronic illness or pain or some kind of issue? But we see that something has ignited in his life. Something has caused him to say, I don't understand this. I don't understand what's going on in my life. So maybe it was that. And maybe you've gone through a season where you're dealing with something and it causes you to wonder, God, where are you? Where are you in this? Or I don't understand, Lord. I, I'm following you. I'm trying my best. And yet it seems like I'm not making any ground. Sometimes we might have asked God to move in a certain way and he doesn't answer our prayers the way we wanted him to. And all of a sudden this doubt creeps in and we think, I don't know, Lord. I'm really disappointed in how this all worked out. I thought you were going to do that, and you didn't. You did it this way, and that can cause doubt to creep in. Or sometimes we just see something in the world, or we watch injustice, and we get angry or frustrated because we don't understand why God wouldn't intervene and change something. I know I talk to friends of mine that don't follow Christ, and one of the first questions they will say is, how could a loving God allow so much evil in the world? And I always say, I don't know. I don't know why everything happens. And so sometimes those questions can lead us to a place where we can have doubt. We all deal with doubt. And I think it's important to acknowledge that there will come a time 
in your life when you won't understand. And you will have questions in your walk of faith. You'll go, I don't get this. I don't understand it. I want to say that it's normal. And I would say it's even a healthy part of an engaged life of faith that you are asking questions, that you're not so disconnected that it doesn't even occur to you to ask the questions. So doubt is a part of our life of faith. There's just too many variables in life. And we can't possibly understand all the ways of God, right? His ways are higher than ours. There are things that our little human brains are never going to get. But we certainly try, don't we? We want to try and understand it all. And if we're truly engaged, we will have seasons where we will have to dive in and deal with our questions. It's important to acknowledge this because, let me tell you something, the devil loves to exploit doubt. He loves to exploit doubt. It's like a little window opening, and he loves to just blast that thing open and come in. It's the very first thing we see him do in Scripture. In the Garden of Eden, he walked up to Eve and said, did God really say? Did God really say not to do that? Because the, and the enemy says to her, because the truth is, if God isn't really thinking about you. He knows that if you eat from that tree, you're going to be as powerful as he is. So he, he starts twisting the character of God. He starts saying, God isn't looking out for you. He loves to get in there where that doubt is and starts to exploit that. So we have to be mindful of our doubt. He loves to take the normal questions of life and amplify it and get us to move our hearts away from God. So as we look at this psalm today, there are a couple things that I really love about this passage of Scripture. First, God gives us this really great example of somebody processing through their doubt. And this doubt was on why do the wicked prosper? Why do the people who aren't living for you seem to have just a smooth sailing life while I'm over here dealing with so much pain? So we get to watch this example all the way through. But it also gives us a great roadmap for what to do when we start dealing with doubt. We can look at what the psalmist did and we can say, okay, I can do the same thing to help me process through my doubt. So let's unpack this a little bit. Let's look at it in a, first, in a few sections. Firstly, let's start at the beginning. At verse 1 says, Truly God is good to Israel, to whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. I want to stop there. It's so interesting. He says, I know that God is good, but as for me, I was struggling. Have you ever thought, boy, God is really good and big to everyone else? You ever had that thought? I believe that God is strong and able to intervene in a situation, but I don't really, I'm not really sure if he would do that for me. And I love that that's kind of the first place he starts. I know God is good, but for me, I felt like he was being good to everybody else, and my foot was slipping. He says, but as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seemed to live such painless lives, and their bodies were so healthy and strong. Jumping down to verse 12, it says, Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long, and every morning brings me pain. You see his questions. He's saying, I do not understand this. I've dedicated my life to serving God, and yet people who don't care at all and live wickedly seem to have things much better than I do. This was his doubt. So the first thing we learn looking at this passage is that it's okay to question 
and pour out your heart to God when you don't understand something. It's okay to say, I don't get this. I don't know what's happening right now. God is not offended by your questions. Psalm 73, he says, I've kept myself pure and struggling, and yet I'm struggling. And God, I don't understand. He's pouring out his heart. He's being honest with God and saying, I need help understanding this. We can know that we can freely come to God with our frustrations and questions. He is God. Scripture says he knows our frame. He's acquainted with our humanness. He understands everything about us. And therefore, he understands that sometimes we need to process through our questions. He knows that. God is not afraid of your questions. He is big enough to answer your questions. And so when you come to God with honest questions, he can handle it. But let me tell you something. The trick is you have to deal with your doubt. You have to deal with it. Doubt is common, but it's also a really big deal. It's also a big deal because some people just get stuck in their doubt. They start to ask some questions, and instead of coming to God and pouring out their heart, they start to feel a little resentful. They start to take a little step away. Well, I don't understand that, God. I think that maybe you're being unkind here. You're being unfair, and they start moving away. And pretty soon a wall is built up between them and God. So doubt is common, but you have to dig in there. You have to deal with it. You can't just let it sit there and hope it'll go away. Bring it to God. Voice your questions to God. Tell him the places that you don't understand. Ask him to show you, God, help me get some insight into this. Come with an open heart, even if you're frustrated, even if you're angry. Come to him, even if you're hurt and broken and exhausted. Acknowledge it and then dig in and work on it. Mark 9 tells a story of a man whose son was demon-possessed, and he brings him to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, have mercy on us if you can. And Jesus looks at him and kind of says, if I can? Really? What do you mean by that? And the man says this profound statement. He says, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's a perfect way to talk about doubt. I, God, I believe, but I know there are places of me that are scared and hurt and frustrated. And so his prayer is, I, I'm open. I believe you, but help me to understand the things that I don't understand. I believe. Help my unbelief. There's something powerful about dealing with doubt in a way that says, I'm not throwing this whole thing out the window. I love you, I believe in you, but I need help, God, sorting this thing out because I just can't wrap my head around it. There's something really powerful about having that kind of a heart. Um, Jeff and I have talked about over the last month that I lost a dear friend to cancer a few weeks ago. Her name was Tiffany, and she was 35 years old. She was a pastor's wife in Northfield, and I've known her. Well, I used to babysit her. I've known her since she was probably three, four. I'm older than her. That just told you how old I am. Anyway, um, it's been really hard to watch a mom of five who is 35 years old pass away. And I have wrestled with these questions. God, I don't understand. I don't understand. I, we prayed. We really asked. We believed that God could heal her. And yet, for whatever reason, in his plan and in his sovereignty, he took Tiff home. But this week, it was so interesting. Her dad posted. He said, I, I wanted to just share something. I'm really mad. <laughs> he had the most beautiful post. He said, I just want to share with you. We are doing okay. 
we have a lot of questions, and right now we're just angry. We're angry with God. We don't understand why he would allow it. But I think God is big enough for my anger. I'm running to him with my anger. I'm telling him, God, I don't understand this, but I know that you're going to get me to the other side of this. And I will trust in your heart as you help me process through that. And I just love that. That was the dad saying, I believe, help my unbelief, right? God, I know you're good, but this I don't get. I don't understand. And I'm, I'm dealing with my very human emotions in this, but I'm not afraid of them. I'm just going to bring them right back to Christ and express it and say, Lord, I know that you're going to help me sort through all these things and get to the other side. I love that. And that's what you and I have to do. When you have questions and things you don't understand, don't just keep walking away. Don't keep it all buried and think, oh, it'll just go away eventually. No, the enemy will get in there. He will try and exploit that for all he can. But get in there and say, God, I don't understand. God, why'd you take that person? I don't, I don't get it. Show me. Give me some insight. Give me some revelation. Show me that. Bring your questions to God and trust him. He is not afraid of your questions. Bring your doubt to God. Don't get stuck. And don't let the enemy use your questions to pull you away from the heart of God. So here's the second thing we can learn from this passage of Scripture when we're facing doubt. Verse 15, he says, If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. I was really surprised to find this little verse tucked in there. There's these kind of long passages, and there's this one little verse there. And this is what this verse means. Be careful in how you express your doubt. Be careful in how you express your doubt. What he was saying there is, if I had just blasted out to everybody, God is unjust. I really am questioning this. I would have caused other people who were also doubting to stumble. Or maybe people who didn't have faith in Christ. If they had watched me process this, I might have caused them to stumble. And so this is a little reminder for us to be careful in how you express your doubt. I thought that was really interesting. He talks about handling his doubt with responsibility and care in how he shares that information and whom he shares that information with. He recognized that although doubt is a common part of life, it can be damaging to those who are unbelievers or to those whose faith is already weak. And so he chooses to be careful in how he expressed his doubt. And I think this is a really, really good lesson for us, right? In an age where we are all very vocal about everything, we have to be very careful what we share publicly with what's going on privately. We just have to be mindful of that not everybody has the same level of faith as us. And we can start expressing ourselves in the, in the, um, under the understanding of I'm just being authentic. And all we're doing is pouring gasoline on other people's doubt. So we have to be really careful how we do that. Now, that's not, we're, keep, we're not keeping things hidden and secret. You know the right people to go to, right? We all know that when we're having questions. I know the person that I can go to who will build up my faith. I could say to Jeff, Jeff, I need you, I'm struggling with this, and he'll pray with me. I know he's not struggling with that. I know that he's strong. He's going to point me to scripture. He's going to build me up in faith, but I know that if I said the same thing to this friend over here that isn't quite sure if she believes that God is good or not, it's going to cause her doubt to grow. And so he says, even in here, I was questioning, and yet I was very careful 
not to publicly blast that I was having doubt. I want us to be mindful of that, of what being wise with our doubt. Um, We know that there are people out there that have questions about Christ, and we represent him. We bear his name. And so being authentic, I love that Steve was authentic. He didn't say, um, Tiffany's dad, he didn't say, everything's fine, we're good, we're good, we lost our daughter, everything's fine. He said, I'm struggling. And yet he did it in a way that continued to point people towards Christ, saying, I'm trusting God with this. I have, I'm going through something, but he did it in a way that was mindful to be honoring to God. Does that make sense? Are you getting what I'm saying today? Okay, reminder, Facebook is public. It's just public. There are just all kinds of people looking. You know what? Pick up the phone and call a friend. This, these are the things that you go through in community, close-knit. That's why we have family time that we come together and say, okay, I need help. I'm really struggling with this. And we get together and we build each other up and we pray. So be mindful to handle your doubt responsibly. And then let's look at the end of the scripture. So we see the psalmist, he wasn't afraid to ask questions. He was careful in how he expressed his doubt. And lastly, let's look at the end of the chapter and find out how he processes through his doubt to get to the other side. So verse 17 says, Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. We see here that he put himself in the presence of God so that he could have a revelation from God. Okay, God, I'm here. Help me understand this. He went into the sanctuary of God. He gathered in the presence of God and said, Lord, I need you to reveal this to me. Show me an answer. Give me some insight into this. Give me wisdom. Give me understanding. We see that here in the presence of God, truth was revealed to his heart. He brought his questions to God, and then he allowed the time and space for God to speak truth to his heart. And then we see in verse 18, here's what God showed him. He says, truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff of destruction. In an instant, they're destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you will rise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. What God revealed to him is, hey, what you're viewing as the wicked just getting away with it, It's not true. That's not true. Their day is coming. I am a just God, and their time is coming. What you think of as a justice problem is not a justice problem. It's a timing problem. So just trust me. You might want me to act now, but I've got it under control, and I have my reasons why I am giving them time or why I'm allowing this, and in the right time, I will act. But it's going to be in my way and in my timing. And this life, it's just a temporary thing. You're looking at them, and you're thinking they have everything they want, but you don't know their hearts. You don't know everything that's going on. And, he, and in that moment, the revelation from heaven does a little shift in his mind. And he realizes, wait a minute, I'm looking at the wrong things. I'm looking at what I can see here, but there's so many things underneath. They might look like they have everything in the world. What if they're lying awake at night as devastated and anxious and broken? But you're looking at the fact that they have money to go buy whatever they want. He shifts his perspective. He gives him insight into the truth. God revealed a revelation to him. 
And God will give you a revelation if you ask him and you come into his presence and you say, I need you to show me something. I can't tell you how many times that I will be frustrated with something and I'll be spinning my wheels. When, usually when I'm frustrated with something, I clean my house really fast. I just like, I'm not mad and I'm like, everything is, very, usually the family's like, whoa, what's going on? The house is clean. Mom must be upset about something. But I start, because I'm processing everything. And usually when I stop and I sit down, and I opened the word, and I said, okay, Lord, show me something. And I start opening scriptures, and I start reading. And then all of a sudden, I'll go, oh. Am I the only one that happens to? Oh, okay, maybe I had the wrong perspective on this, God. Oh, oh, now I see. And a lot of times, God will give you revelation. Now, it doesn't mean that it takes away all the pain and the hurt. But there's just a little bit of understanding that comes to us when we take the time to listen to Christ. And that's what we see there. He brought it to God. He came into his sanctuary, and God gave him a revelation. And then he does some personal reflection. Look at verse 21 and 22. He says, then I realized that my heart was bitter and that I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Once he got that revelation, when he went, oh, I've been looking at the wrong thing. Then he was like, oh, God, I allowed this doubt to get inside of me. Lord, I'm bitter. Lord, I, oh, I'm looking and now at me, and I'm bitter, and I'm all torn up inside. Everything inside of me is now like a big mess because I allowed that doubt to sit in there. So he does some personal revelation, which is good for us too. Once we have that insight from Christ, it's good for us to look and say, okay, what damage did that doubt do to my heart? Am I bitter? Am I angry? Have I separated myself from Christ? Have I, what, what is the damage? What's torn up inside? He says, I allowed my questions to make me bitter. When you finally sit in the presence of God and he gives you a revolution of truth, there has to come a moment of personal reflection where you be honest and say, okay, God, look, here's what I let happen. I let this, I got bitter. I got bitter. I got resentful. Lord, I allowed something to creep into my heart and to confess that. And then my favorite part of this chapter is what happens next because then, God ministers to his bitter, torn up, broken heart. In verse 23, this is what God says, or this is what he says, yet I still belong to you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. For whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail. My spirit might grow weak. But God remains the strength of my heart forever. He is mine forever. Isn't that beautiful when you see what got him there? What got him to that place? Because he's answering all those questions that he had earlier before he was saying, why do the, why do the wicked seem to get everything? And now he says, hold on. I desire nothing on earth besides you. Something flipped in his heart where before he was saying, they get it all and I'm struggling. Something now has changed. I don't want anything but you. And God ministers to him. And then he says, my health might fail. My spirit might grow weary. They might be able to run faster than me. They might have more resources for me. But I have you. And you are the strength of my heart forever. And that will never let me go. What a beautiful passage of scripture he expressed his questions. He sought the presence of God where God gives him a revelation of how he will deal with the wicked. 
He recognizes how his doubt has affected his heart. And then God ministers to him. He says, it's okay. You belong to me. I've got you. Even in all your questions, I've got you. Have you ever um, had a really big fight with somebody and you're like right in the middle of it and you just feel like, oh my goodness, I'm never going to get to the other side of this. And then maybe I'll just say maybe Mr. Kerr and I occasionally have a disagreement. Occasionally. We've only had one fight in our whole married life of 22 years. Really, it's amazing. I'm just kidding. Um, But you know that moment where you're fighting with your spouse, and at the beginning you're like, we are never going to get through this. We're never going to get to the other side of this. And then there comes a moment where you're like, oh, okay, so maybe I overreacted there. And then he says, oh, yeah, maybe maybe I shouldn't have said that, or maybe I should have done that differently. And then you start to feel like the little bit of the thaw. You feel a little bit of the thaw, and then you start actually being honest. Well, you know, I guess when I really think about it, I've been thinking about this and struggling with this. And then you start actually talking, and you actually start making ground up, and you actually start dealing with something you should have been dealing with a long time ago, and all the things that have been built up. You get to the other side of it, and then... I will look at him and go, I really like you. And it's like the surprise because an hour ago, I really hated you. And so this is what this scripture is like to me. It's somebody that's like, oh, this, I'm having the worst time with this. And then he like has a little bit of revelation, gets a little bit of understanding, you know, and usually when we fight, there comes a moment that we say all the nice things to each other. You know what? I'm sorry. You really are. You really have been helpful in this. And I'm sorry that, you know, and we say all the nice things and we have this moment where we're solidified and then we get over here and we've made it through. That's the process of doubt that we see in Psalm 73. So let me ask you, are you stuck anywhere on here with your questions? Are you still, are you all the way over here and you're just like, I'm just, I'm just still mad. I'm just still angry. I don't get it. Then you need to step into the presence of God. You need to express your heart to him and let him speak truth to you. Maybe you need to move another step over and listen to what God is saying and acknowledge how your doubt has affected your heart. This is relationship. This is what we do in relationships. This is how we grow. This is how we get stronger. And so in all of us, you will have times that you won't understand things. But can I tell you, don't get stuck. Just keep bringing your doubt to Christ. Keep coming to him and saying, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Keep asking the questions. Keep looking inside and being reflective of what is going on in your heart. And keep coming to the place where you know God is good. God is for you. God has your very best in mind, and he is there for you every single step of the way. So let's bow our heads as we close today. I don't know what areas in your life you have some unanswered questions. Maybe it's something that happened to you personally. Maybe it's just big picture. You've just had questions about God in the world. And why, maybe like the psalmist, why does it seem like the wicked get away with everything? And God, I'm trying so hard, and yet it feels like you're not working in my situation. Whatever it is, or maybe it's really intimate and personal. God, I asked you to help me with this addiction, and I feel like I'm not making any ground. Or God, I don't understand why you allowed this painful thing to happen, and I can't get my head around it. Whatever that is, bring that to Christ today. He is big enough to handle your questions. And I believe that when you bring it to him, he will give you revelation. And he'll give you insight into your own heart. And then he will bring you comfort 
and security to know it's okay, you belong to me. Lord, I lift up every person here today. Jesus, life is hard. And there are things that we don't understand. And Lord, there are things that we won't understand until the other side of heaven. But the only way for us to live on earth until we see you face to face and understand everything that you've done, Father, is to trust in you and to bring all of our hurt and all of our questions and all of our pain into your presence, to lay them out before you and say, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I know that you love that question from your children. When we come to you open-hearted and saying, God, help me understand this. I don't want to be bitter and torn up inside, so help me get to the other side of this. Help me to reconcile these things that have happened. Help me to understand it. I know that your spirit will bring truth and your spirit will bring understanding. And God, I believe that there are people today that you are going to set free from years of bitterness that they have held in their heart because they have allowed doubt to creep in. God, I, I love that you don't ask us to never have questions. You just ask us to bring our questions to you. And so we do that today. Lord, I pray that this week there would just be some healing in areas that uh, need healing. Lord, you know every part of our hearts. And I thank you that you are kind and you are good and you are loving. And you love it when we come to you in real relationship with all of our hopes, all of our dreams, and all of our doubts. And you love to speak to those places. So I ask that you would do that today in every person here. We love you, Jesus. It's our greatest honor to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.